0: A uh, cock-a-doodle-doo. This is Mahangel, and you're listening to the Manitobaville Podcast, and on today's show, we are talking with April Willis, and April Willis is with the 4-H Poultry Program in Manitoba. She's also with Quack and Cluck, the poultry group for adults and everybody, and... um pretty pretty interesting. I had a lot of questions. I uh, have a lot of questions. I probably still do have a lot of questions. But um, poultry, raising poultry, how do you do it? What goes into it? What do you need to think about? What do you need to prepare for? And why? It's always why. Always the five W's and a how. <laughs> Throwing in for good measure. <laughs> five W's and the H, the big H. How? I don't know. Let's talk about it and find out. That's how we do things here on the Manitobaville podcast. But before we get to that, just want to tell you to go visit manitobaville.ca. You can contact us through there. You can uh, alert us of any stories you want to talk about or anybody you want us to talk to. You can visit us on social medias. Just search out Manitobaville on any of the big ones you're using. You can follow, rate, and review, uh, tell a friend, and get them to follow as well. And you can subscribe on a podcatcher. That's the best way to get a hold of us and show us that you're a listener. That's a, it's a good one. So yeah, just subscribe on there. Tell your friends they can subscribe too. It's democratic and we like it that way. And tell friends and tell friends and tell friends. That's uh, how we get things done. Word of mouth. Okay. Um, And actually tell anybody anywhere in the world. So, because we're worldwide, yada, yada, yada. We love that aspect of the old uh, internets. We can internet anybody. We can fish in any sea. And we can talk to Manitobans from far and wide about experiences and life and uh, what they got going on. Okay. And, oh, if you want to advertise on the show, just let us know. Go to manitobaville.ca, let us know, drop us a line, and we will hook you up with the relevant body in order to do that. Okay, so we're going to talk to April Willis about all things poultry just after.
1: I will just
2: say my dog, she's being kinda of wild tonight, so I'm trying to keep her out of the room, but she's <laughs> probably gonna have a squeaky toy in here at some point. <laughs> okay. So I I'll try and try and keep it away, but yeah, you know how they are.
0: Well, you know, when you're going after the good information you have to take what comes with it. It's with the territory.
2: Yes. <laughs> so. And it always it always seems that uh when I'm doing something important or on a phone call or something, that's 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 <laughs> the only time that those toys come out.
0: Yeah. They're like, hey, do you want to play now? Yeah,
2: they're like like kids, I guess. Yeah,
0: they see you're, you're paying attention, you're doing something, they want to be in on it. Yes. No problem. So, yeah, so what's, uh, uh, what is uh, 4-H poultry? I've heard of 4-H, and I know about the kids with the cows and the horses and stuff like that, but is it, there's a specific one just for poultry?
2: Yes, well, actually, they're never, like 4-H in Manitoba um, doesn't have, poultry as one of their specific course sections up until now and more specifically our club itself because if you if you went into 4-H and you wanted to do um, poultry as a project you would have to go through like the small animals section Mm. and the small animal section is not animal specific it's just all small animals in general and husbandry of them and then When you go up a level in the small animals, then you can kind of section off into, um, like, household small animals and then farmyard small animals. So we sort of took that and then went, like, even deeper. So essentially we, um, like, how, how the cattle, sheep, and horse or the equine courses have their specifics they have like six or seven maybe even eight um courses and then you just work through them as you age we sort of did that and then we did it for poultry okay so in the in the united states um their 4-h system has a poultry specific program and there are there are three different books um i don't know how long it takes a member to go through a book, it might be a couple of years, mm-hmm. but they they have at least three books, and those books are dedicated to poultry specifically, so we're kind of we're the first people in Manitoba to create um a poultry specific program. I know there are a few other um provinces that do it i believe b c Alberta. Ontario and one of the maritime provinces have poultry-specific
1: programs too.
0: Okay, so it's not yeah. it's not a. Yeah, I was wondering. So the, if the 4-H bigwigs would kind of look at you and say, "Wow, that's not something we do here, young well, lady."
1: <laughs> you know, what you, yeah, you're it, I mean
2: it. Like it wasn't it wasn't hard to get them on
1: board. Yeah,
2: so it's been very hard to get them on board to, like, help with. Program specific stuff. Um, oh, okay. Mostly, what I was told was, you know, these other provinces already have it. Talk to them or use their material, because uh-huh. normally in 4-H, if you create um, if you create material for it, it goes into like a database,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and the, the database is now online. So you can, I can go onto the database and I can find the booklet that Ontario used in like 1990, kind mm-hmm. of thing. Okay. Um, is that dated?
0: Is that kind of stuff dated? Like it's. it's
2: um, a little bit, yeah. There's, there's some
0: drawbacks, especially with it being so cold in the prairies compared yep. to maybe some other places.
2: Yeah, Southern Ontario is just a little bit different, right? So yeah. it it um it, it is information that's a little bit older. Things have definitely changed since then, and just new information has come about. You know, like there's a lot more about say um maybe like treating your birds with herbal medicine or or mm-hmm. natural medicine or um things like keeping them happy and healthy in the winter so making say, for example a um vegetable garland okay you know that previously that was never talked about it just like you know let them let them live in the coop and if they if they make it over the winter, great. And if they don't, too bad. And now right. we're a little bit more worried about, you know, are they happy as well as mm-hmm. healthy? So.
1: Right.
0: Yeah, it gets more holistic where. Yeah. Yeah, because in a lot of things I've noticed uh, just off topic, but um, people say, oh, there used to be all these old things you could do. Or they'd say for if you got a cold, put a put a warm thing on your neck or like a, a specific thing on your neck. And right. I'm thinking, well, yeah, it keeps your neck warm. Yeah. And, and that's a big way of getting over colds and the flu and stuff.
2: Keeping warm. Yeah, yeah.
0: And, and specific, you know, like your neck and different things. And I'm thinking, mm-hmm. well, they knew what they're doing back then, like in these different things. And you just have to look at it in in terms of, you know, do I give my my animal a shot of medicine or do I do these other things for it? So I, mm-hmm. I see where you're coming from with that. It's really neat.
1: Yeah. Um
0: So uh, who who, who okay, here's a good question. Here's it's like a, a trivial pursuit question that people like me always get hit with what are the four h's
2: (laughs) um head heart health and hands
0: okay and head (laughs) heart health and hands okay okay and how how what age group is this for
2: um so my uh group is they are aged eight to approximately 18 ish okay um we chose in 4-h you can be a clover bud and that would be uh, your age five, six, I believe. Like you need to be, I believe it is enrolled in at least kindergarten. So that could be five or six years old.
0: Is that a prerequisite uh, to joining? That you you join at a certain age?
2: Um, yes. As far as I understand, um, I've never. I mean, when I started 4H, I was already older, and I've and I haven't come about the situation. Too many times where I've had young children trying to enroll. We did have that this year, but we said eight eight years old at ours because we um, for normal four H Clover buds. Their first year is very very basic. Um, mm-hmm. They're not required to do a whole lot. It's just just the beginning steps. And for us, we really wanted them to start at an age where they are hopefully understanding. That these are their animals and it is their responsibility. Mm-hmm. And I really wanted to, I really, really wanted to get push that home. Um, just because you know you you have a lot of people or a lot of children that want a cat or a dog or a gerbil or whatever, yeah. and you know you buy it and then mom and dad are always taking care of it. Mm-hmm. And I really, really wanted the kids to understand from the beginning that these are your birds. Right. And so I did have a few people that had asked if their grandkids could sign up, and the one grandkid was quite young. I think she was maybe five, and the lady had actually argued with me and said, well, she shows cattle at the at the 4-H cattle show. Hmm. And I said, that's, that's fine, and I, I think it's wonderful that your grandchild is in 4-H at that age, but... Does she understand that this is her animal? Mm-hmm. And, I, and I really wanted that. I want them to care for them. I want them to understand what's going on, and you know, learn about the birds. So we decided that eight years old was our our youngest age we would take, and it's been it's been great so far.
0: Yeah, I can understand that too. Because even growing up, when I grew up on the farm and stuff, there's a lot of things you you did, but you didn't necessarily understand why or the the ins and outs. Mm-hmm. Or recognizing certain things or having that level of yeah. ownership over exactly. over the animals you're you're doing a task and not yeah. taking care of an animal, so
2: yeah, you did it because it was a chore, not mm-hmm. because it was your animals yeah. that you wanted to raise and love
0: yeah, hey, what area are you in what what where's your four h located
2: so we're in the Westman area okay, <laughs> that's pretty broad, but um it's <laughs> yeah. it's broad because we've got kids from Oh, we've got uh, two, two two in the area of, like, Boise Okay. and then we've got a couple that are just west of Brandon. I've got, I uh, had one as far as Rossburn this year, mm-hmm. and one of our young men is from the Nipawah area, so okay. we're kind of, we're pretty broad Um but I, I, you know, initially you start to start the club and it's like, okay, well, you got two kids from Brandon, but then this one wants in and they're willing to drive and these ones want in and they're willing to drive. And you're like, okay, fine.
0: Yeah. Cause Here. I was going to ask, is this a distance thing or do, do 4-H groups actually meet and have meetings like scouts? And yes. Them, and those Normally.
2: Kind of yes. Okay. Yep. Normally okay. they meet. Like when I grew up in 4-H, we did, we did a huge, your whole 4-H group got together and did one meeting a month. Mm-hmm. And then your project groups usually did one meeting a month. Okay. And so since we are, since we're only one project topic, mm-hmm. um, we all meet once a month. And then on the same night, we split off into okay. our age groups or, or project book
0: yeah. groups. Because 4-H yeah. is about, yeah, it's about having your own animals. So you have to, usually it's on the farm or whatever. Yeah. And and then you work with the materials, I guess. and. Yep. You work your way through it, and then you have the support of the meetings, as you go, and then meets as well, where you show animals. Do you do that mm-hmm. as well?
2: Yeah, yeah. That okay. was uh, that was kind of a new and a new thing for quite a few people. They, you know, when I say at the beginning of the year, "Okay, guys, we're going to be attending a chicken show," mm-hmm. um, the eyes all get kind of wide all of a sudden.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Why is that? Why?
2: I think I just don't think that people people don't know that there is such a thing. They they don't realize that there is actually like and like national and governed chicken shows.
0: Okay. Oh, it's sort of like the uh the, the big dog shows down in yeah. New York and all that.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly like that. Yeah.
0: Well I guess in Britain they they would have, eh? That's probably a big thing. Like they're, oh, yeah. they're big on agriculture over there. Yeah, definitely
2: the of. UK's got some like awesome, awesome birds. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, <laughs> so we well we that, do that.
0: I yeah, and I can't I you know, people probably go, "What?" And then, if you think about it, the last time we went to the uh, the Royal Fair in Brandon, um, the Winter Fair, we went we went there, and there was a chicken, um, like a poultry display. I guess it was yeah. put on by a certain group. Um yeah. they're not they weren't forage, but they're, they're a poultry group. Yep. and and I was like, "Oh, I'm going to pop in and take a look at these, you know, the the roosters and the chickens and that." And boy, you get stuck in there for like half an hour. Because just it's just looking. amazing, yeah. yeah. Reading the bits yeah. and, and understanding and, and watching the beautiful colors.
1: Actually,
2: I was I was at that display, so that is the um, the only American Poultry Association, Well, I shouldn't say that. Um, some of the members of that club are American Poultry Association members as well. Okay. But so that is the Cluck and Quack Club right, from. Right, right. From um, the Winnipeg area and I mean they've mm-hmm. got members from all over Manitoba a few from Saskatchewan a few from Western Ontario mm-hmm. so yeah yeah we had uh, a display there I had three birds there I think
1: oh
0: yeah
2: two or, two or three birds there
0: I had which, which ones? the popular ones <laughs>
2: um, well I mean everybody did like him he was <laughs> I actually had him um, did you see um, Kylie had done she had gone into the, into the ring and done, a dis, I think two or three times, had done a, like a display about birds in the ring.
0: Okay, I'm not sure I saw that.
2: Um, She had a little black hen and she had my rooster. So yeah. I had... Um,
0: was your rooster the one that was crowing so well?
2: Probably. I yeah. was carrying him around quite a bit.
1: <laughs> okay. Yeah, he, he was, was awesome.
2: <laughs> of, he was out of the cage. He was like down. So you know how it was like a horseshoe shape? Mm-hmm. And if you were standing looking into the horseshoe, he was at the very back and on the very right-hand side.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: He was a big, big male.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, he yeah. was quite the, quite the sight. We spent yeah, some...
2: he's, he was such a good boy that weekend. Yeah. I, carry, I carried him all over the place.
0: Oh, nice. Yeah, I guess yeah, they're your friends too, right?
2: Mm-hmm. And yeah. they're like, you know, when you raise them, I don't know, it's, I know a lot of people who don't who don't take a lot of time with their animals and they're mm-hmm. not tame. And I, like I raise all my birds by hand. Mm-hmm. So the majority of them are very calm. I can catch them. I can catch them in close quarters and when they're out like on the grass or whatever, they prefer not to be caught, but they're not wild by any means.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So they're not going to, you're not going to freak them out by no, going and to pick them up.
2: Yeah. No, they're not going to, you know, they're not going to flip out and fly right. over the fence or anything like that. They're, they, they just, Sometimes they're like, "Nah, I, I don't feel like being caught
0: today." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like most animals. Yeah. So, <laughs> okay. So, with the cluck and quack, quack and quack, clack, quack and clack, quack, <laughs> clack and quack, what is it? Oh wait, hang on. Uh, with cluck and quack group, do they are they supporting your 4-H measures? Then do they help you push your program yes. through their their young kids?
2: Cluck and Clack doesn't really have any young children. Um, How
0: come you don't have trouble saying that?
2: Because uh, I <laughs> say it all the time. <laughs> uh, um, they, so they don't really have any young kids as members right now. But, um, so I'm part of their club. And Kylie, uh, Kylie is the president, I believe. No, oh, sorry. Um, she's not the president. But Kylie is one of the executive members. Okay. And she feels very strongly, you know, positively towards Mm 4-H. And she really, really enjoys that aspect and thinks that it's important, right? Like, the the youth are the future of any of these kind of programs. Mm -hmm. So they have actually been so generous as to give us, I believe it was, eight or ten free memberships to the club. For any of our members that want to be part of the Cluck and Quack Club as well. Oh neat! Yeah. Yeah. So that was very cool, and we—they've done stuff for us. Like um, this year, because of COVID, we didn't have um, a, an APA registered show. We just had—we just had a uh, achievement for our members by themselves, but we ran it as though it would have been an APA show, mm-hmm. and Cluck and Quack actually borrowed us all the cages that we needed for the show. Oh, neat. So we all kind of, we work together like that.
0: And yeah, it's good to show resources and, and yeah. spread the spread the burdens.
2: Exactly. Like, I mean, we don't, we're a new club. We don't have cages of our own. So it was either, you know, ask Kylie to borrow them or go to Saskatchewan or wherever. And, and so she was wonderful when I asked and said, yep, just take them, you know, get them back to me when you can. Nice.
0: So 4H is for kids, up to 18, you say. What's, well, what's
2: for? I, actually, you can go up to 21, I believe. Okay. Okay. But uh, once you're once you're out of high school and into um, like 19, 20, 21, it becomes more about leadership than mm. anything. Yeah. Um. So it's a little different, but technically it goes up to 21.
0: So what's for what's for people like me who are substantially beyond that limit? Is it the is it joining the like cluck, sorry quack, cluck cluck, cluck and quack group, or yes. is there is there some other programs out there for adults who want to uh, um, really dig into the the ifs house wise where's
2: <laughs> There are on um, online right now. There are up there are some different um courses being done and stuff online actually. Like if you were to Google courses, there is um, there's a lady who developed two courses. One is quite basic, basic bird husbandry, and then one is a little bit more in depth. And then um throughout kind of the Covid era here, mm-hmm. um some of the universities and bigger groups they're doing just different kinds of information sessions. Um, I'm I think it's University of S- uh, Saskatchewan maybe. Um, they did one recently, and I think it was like a $40 fee, and it was like a big, long session. And Mm. then I'm registered for one. I don't remember who is putting it on, but it's about respiratory diseases in birds. Okay, yeah. Um, And then, you know, online and stuff like that, there's a lot of different, say on Facebook, there's a bunch of different groups that are dedicated to... Small animals in Manitoba, and then um, another really great resource is the American Poultry Association. They have they have a Facebook group that is for paying members, and then they have a Facebook group that is for I believe non just kind of anybody mm-hmm. can be in that group, okay. and they are such a wealth of information. And mm-hmm. it's interesting because there are so many there's always so many different ways to do the same thing, and none of them are wrong mm-hmm. but it's very interesting to see these different ways that people do stuff and yeah. there that group is really great you know if you're getting into maybe um, breeding show poultry or something, you know you can ask on there you know how do you guys set up your breeding pens or what kind of breed program do you use? Or how do you record keep when you're doing breeding programs? And, like, you will have 30, 40, 50 comments of people who are just interested in helping. Hmm. So those are a lot of where I I go to. If I have something, an important question, I usually go to the APA page or I ask some of my um, senior breeders and... and um, poultry keepers kind of thing i have a group of it's a group of people that are a wealth of information that i know that if i speak to them they're giving me truthful information through experience
0: no fake no fake poultry info
2: yeah no fake i i'm very much you know if if um if my birds are ill mm-hmm. i will definitely give antibiotics mm-hmm. um, i don't i don't try i know that for so many people you know they have home remedies that they have worked for them or beliefs have worked and so i i am one that you know i'm i'll go to the antibiotics and i like you know the the breeders and senior breeders that i kind of run in the same group with they're very much like if we have a problem we need to fix it immediately yeah because you could lose a whole show flock
0: yeah because yeah things, things spread fast
2: yeah so you want you know i i know that this antibiotic will work. I need to use it because I need to use it quickly. Right. So.
0: Hey, what's the cost for people that want to get into 4-H? Is there like a, a, a fee to join?
2: There usually is a fee to join. Um, I believe our fee last year was a hundred for the full year, okay. and like that included. Though we had um, so in our, in our in our session, obviously you want your kids to have birds and so we that that hundred dollars covered kind of birds too
0: okay so Um, it gets you an animal to care for and
2: hmm. some basic things yeah and that was um that was a hundred dollars i believe covered your um 4-h manitoba and the club okay so otherwise say if you were um within a different club or you were in um, a multi- a multi-club then you would have to pay your multi-club fee and then the club fee of the next place that you went as well Mm. so there are some there are some fees i guess
0: yeah but but to basically get the info and get start taking part that's pretty affordable so Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. it's neat and where can you uh i know kids on farms are traditionally who we think of when we think of Mm 4-h but with poultry how close to a town or city can you get with birds
2: to tell you the truth, I don't actually know that because I have never I lived it, in a town. <laughs> yeah, so I guess the bylaws
0: and stuff, you have to just look up your yeah, local bylaws. Yeah,
2: and, and it depends on every every city has a different bylaw. Like some cities, um, some cities you can get away with um, hens only, and then they have to be within a certain containment unit, hmm. and they have to be so many yards or feet away from other buildings. Okay. Um, okay. And other places... You know, other places, they don't want them at all. Um,
0: so you can't have a rooster crowing in the morning. So I guess I'm stuck listening to all the dogs around our neighborhood. Yeah,
2: I'm stuck <laughs> listening to them barking <laughs> thank you. bylaw guy. <laughs> no roosters in town. Oh, yeah, I, yeah. Think, I think the only thing that you're allowed to have in like Brandon is pigeons. <laughs> I've read the bylaw before and I was just like, what yeah. is this?
0: And a prerequisite for that is you have to have statues yeah, big gargoyles all over your house. Yeah, that's what you need first. <laughs> then you get pigeons, yeah. Yeah. And then you and get a there. broom to clean up. <laughs> okay. Um, so, so okay, now, what qualifies as poultry? Here's a big question because a lot of people say, well, they'll think chickens or ducks or whatever, but what what runs the gambit? Well, so
2: there's poultry and then there's waterfowl. Um So under poultry, you will have your standard, standard bread or standard size chickens. You'll have your bantam chickens. Um, You will have guineas, like guinea hens, Mm -hmm. and then uh, quail and turkeys. Okay. Those will be your, those will be your, um, if you're showing, don't believe that quail fall under any kind of show category so it'll be like mm, okay. bantam birds standard birds uh, guineas and turkeys
0: okay and of course within those there's all kinds of different breeds and and specialties and stuff
2: exactly yeah, yeah.
0: okay so anything that's waterfowl that that's a different 4-h
1: group
2: yeah um <laughs> that's well, to be... yes and no like that's a different category okay. but they would fall we are looking into doing waterfowl at our so i know we're the poultry club mm-hmm. but we we do have some kids that are really really interested in having ducks yeah so we're we, we're gonna find a leader to do ducks and and let it happen because the kids want it
0: so. yeah we had geese one year on the farm the big white geese and they they wandered freely in a little pack or flock or whatever yeah. and I, and I certainly and then years, decades later, I heard that the uh, the Romans didn't use guard dogs; they used geese. Um,
2: and, you know what? And, I have heard something similar. Yeah,
0: and I completely tuned in. Why? I was like, of course. Cause, yeah, they're mean.
2: I um, I w- want to this uh, this summer. I've been discussing with my husband about getting. Broiler chickens and growing them, and then mm-hmm. you know saving some for ourselves and maybe selling some to some friends mm-hmm. and I've heard like all over the internet and even in like videos on YouTube that you get like one goose, and the geese will like completely protect them
0: yeah yeah they're right? they're yeah and yeah they're and they're fearless when they want to go after something
2: yeah, and i see i didn't I did not grow up with geese, so yeah. I had no idea I mean I know that they're loud and yeah mean, but I have never I didn't realize that they would be good guard dogs,
1: yeah,
0: and they were quite aggressive at times, and of course, I was older, I was probably teen, mid teens or whatever, so I could you know as I walked by them i'd, I'd yell back at them and sort of get them all to the back off, but yeah. the, the <laughs> younger the, the younger sister I think they would chase around oh, yeah it got, yeah, it's quite traumatizing, you know, yeah, certain things like that, but uh but yeah wow, I was just amazed um so okay, so that's the differences um what uh what kind of things like I was gonna I was gonna use this these kind of interviews as I, as I put out an email to everybody was because we're gonna go back into uh, sort of a mixed farming situation so on the farm I grew up on we had meat chickens so mm-hmm. we' would get them as cute little yellow guys in spring and we'd take good care of them under the heat lamps and feeding them and slowly they would turn into the big white birds and um, and then we would we would uh. uh chop their heads off in the fall and we would put them in the hot water. We'd strip them down. Um, then my mom and her friends would clean them and they would go into the freezer. Uh, uh, and then we had a friend, a neighbor, friends slash neighbors who, she sold eggs. So we would go over to her house and her, her, uh her, uh what do you call the yard for chickens? <laughs> Sorry. Or like a coop? I'm blanking out. Yeah, the, the coop and then the, the caged area. They would, that was like our, poultry show because she had all kinds of different laying hens Ah. really interesting looking so you know we could look at those um and they were of course kept all winter but i wasn't i don't know how what they went into carrying them for the winter so i was just sort of going to ask some basic questions about Mm -hmm. uh caring for them if you can have them i've read somewhere you can't have them near other animals is that accurate because of Um. certain diseases or issues like that
2: you shouldn't, um, you sh- technically shouldn't keep them with other forms of, like, birds. Um, I believe turkeys is the big one. Um, they can share some bigger diseases. And so, so for example, like, um, disease uh, respiratory diseases that turkeys are prone to, they're easily past the chickens. Okay. So it, you don't want to keep them...
0: Is that others, it, does that have to do with the amount of them you have? Because we'd always have about five turkeys with our chickens.
2: Well, I and I we had do under know. probably
0: under hundred chickens altogether.
2: Yeah, and I do know that it it depends a lot on space and how you keep them. Okay. So, for example, if you can keep your birds in the winter, they don't they don't need extra heat. They just need to be dry and well ventilated. Okay. So as soon as you have a situation where you've got moisture in the air mm-hmm. and you have lots of birds, that, that increases like the amount of ammonia that's in there and then all of a sudden it, it'll just hit them all okay. and they'll get really sick. So I could see that if you can keep every bird dry and aerated and healthy, then you probably don't have a problem.
0: Okay, and you can keep them near, like, if you have some pigs and some sheep and stuff, like, they can all be in the same Mm geographic, like, even in a big, long barn or something, they could...
2: Yeah, I mean, I know people that have really big greenhouses, Yeah. and, like, a big, huge hoop house, and they have um, wood chips all the way through the hoop house, and the pigs, they have two two breeding pigs, and the pigs have about one-third of the hoop house, and the chickens have the rest of the two-thirds.
0: Okay, okay. Yeah, it kind of freaked me out when I read that. I was like, oh, you, you know, because we had, for our chickens, of course, they didn't have anything to do with winter, mm-hmm. <laughs> they were, except they were in the, they were dry and not well ventilated in the freezer. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: but, uh, but um, yeah, we always had them in a different, like a chicken house. It was always in its way from the barn and stuff. So right. I was wondering if that was an issue, but I guess it was probably just a convenience factor. It was actually closer cool. to the house because we'd put them in at night and. And let them out in the morning and stuff like that,
2: yeah, yeah, um and I mean that was kind of the way that it was always done, right Everybody had their own home mm-hmm. um, but then you know there are people that you know we only had one building on the farm and it had to have everybody in it and yeah. and you just do it
0: yeah, yeah you so. yeah, you do' as comfortable or what you've seen or what you've learned from or what mm-hmm. you see in books sometimes is good
2: yeah You, can, exactly. you can
0: go and build a little place so for for lane hens, is there any kind of specific like, they have the roost, right, where they, they lay their yep. eggs and they spend a yep. lot of time in? Yeah. What's the setup for that?
2: So with uh, with any kind of bird that's going to be spending any time, like, within the coop more than outside, um, you want to make sure you have ample space. So it's usually about four square feet per bird. Okay. Um, and then you want to make sure that they have roost so that they can get up. And then any kind of laying hen, you want to have boxes. And I think it's two approximately two birds per box um, so that they have enough time, you know, that, that mm. each, each bird wants usually wants to lay their egg um, quietly and away from everybody else. So if you have, you know, seven birds to one box, mm. they're going to end up laying their eggs like all over the floor and, you know, standing on top of each other and squishing the eggs and things right. like that. Hmm. So it's usually two boxes per bird. Um, and you know, lots of straw and stuff like that in there, and it's mm. really feed them and water them. <laughs> feed them and water them, and they'll lay eggs for you.
0: What's the What's the rooster for? I mean, I know we need them to wake up in the morning and and to to look at them walking around all cockily. But
2: honestly, it's just fertilization.
0: Yeah. So, what are you fertilizing for? It like um,
2: so. He, so, what I like with my birds, um, I am working towards breeding my birds closer and closer to the standard, which is um, the American Poultry Association has a standard of perfection, it's called, and it's a really big book that outlines the ideal bird of each color variety and, um, and each different bird. Okay. So, for example, I I raise and show wine dots and... So in the book, there is descriptions, outlines, and photos of the ideal dot in every color of male and female. Hmm. So I have, um, you know, multiple females and males for each color variety. And when I'm breeding, I choose specifically a male to match the females for a specific breeding outcome.
0: Is there worries about in, in breeding? Do you have to watch bloodlines and stuff?
2: um a little bit um and more so what happens you know like they say like if you're inbreeding uh, i don't know like cats you'll have cats with like six toes or something yeah with chickens you're not really worried about that kind of thing it's more um you're more worried about a decrease in fertility and a decrease in success of the chicks and the eggs huh. um i don't know of anybody who has bred birds that they've come out with an extra toe or anything like that. <laughs> um, so we can, in birds, it's um, it's much more acceptable to line breed or, or essentially inbreed your birds for multiple years. It's it's when you start coming up with kind of these issues of fertility or your males, you know, the maybe he's active, you know he's active in breeding, but it's the fertility is a problem, or they seem healthy, but actually, you know, when the chicks hatch, the chicks are very unhealthy or they're mm-hmm. dying quite often. That's when you want to pop a new, you know, a new male or new female into your bloodline, right. which can be very difficult.
0: <laughs> Why, like to find um, another one or to well, get them to if,
2: yeah? Be if you have a very rare breed, then yeah. you know your your um, there may only be one or two other breeders in the country, right. and they probably have birds that are from the same line. Right. But also, it, it it's very interesting how you can get birds that just don't breed well together or complete lines that don't breed well together. Yeah. I have a, I have a very close friend who breeds white Wyandots, and... He, is, he knows that there are specific people that breed white Wyandots that his birds do not cross well with. Huh. So they'll get very, like, like all of a sudden they'll be like black feathers. They'll be black feathers on white Wyandots, and you don't want okay. that at all. Yeah. Um, and he knows that if he if he is looking for new blood or something, he has to completely stay away from those other people's bloodlines and so it can it that's the same thing that could happen to me so i might um for example i might get my get my line breeding you know close to perfect or what i think is really really good mm-hmm. and then lose my lose my best male or lose all my males for whatever reason and then bring in a new male from a different line and it can completely mess up all the breeding that i've done yeah oh, nice and there'll be it could be something like a throwback even is what we call them. Mm. So What's... it might be, I don't know, this new male might have a throwback to some kind of uh, feather quality issue or color issue or something, and it's recessive and hidden. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you breed him with your group and it completely comes out again.
0: Oh. <laughs> Then you have to change the category you're showing your birds in.
2: <laughs> yeah, then you have to like do all kinds of crazy things.
0: Yeah. So best recessive gene example in a Wyandotte. <laughs> <laughs>
2: then you just don't take that one anywhere yeah.
0: anymore. <laughs> yeah, they don't want to see it too much. Yeah. Okay, in laying hens, then what's the rooster for? Le- nothing. Do you, do you need a rooster to get a hen started? No. The hen no. just she'll do it on her own. So yeah,
2: you don't you don't need a male for anything besides fertilization. I mean. It's nice to have them around and... Yeah, I
0: was going to say. Good,
2: but like a good male will be good to his hens. Yeah. He will He will find all of the good things for them, you know, like all the bugs or all the treats or whatever. Yeah. He'll find all that for her. Okay. And a good male will protect all of your hens.
0: Do you have to worry about them breeding them if you're just collecting eggs? Nope. Well, the but eggs, they won't... I guess I already... they not won't,
2: They won't be any different. Okay. Like... The only thing is, is your, your eggs will be, if you have a male and he, if he's breeding all the hens, Mm -hmm. then your eggs will be fertilized, but they need a certain temperature and a certain duration of time to begin to, to begin to develop.
0: Okay. So if you collect the eggs and put them in your kitchen, they're not going to develop then?
2: Nope. They're not going to develop at all.
0: Okay. Okay. So yes, because yeah, I always wondered like the roosters are always around and they're cool to look at, but. Yeah, yeah it's not the same as others then. Nope. Oh, whew. okay. That takes a while I mean, Yeah, mind.
2: it's not, you won't like crack your egg and there'll be like a live chick on your plate or anything. <laughs> yeah, nope. yeah. It'll yeah. take yeah. a while for that to happen. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, okay, well that's good news. Yeah, because then you can have a variety of, of, and as long as they get along, I guess too, right? Yeah. Some can be aggressive
1: and...
2: Yeah, yeah. And usually, if you um, usually if you raise them from chicks together, then they're they're usually quite fine. And if you um, introduce teenagers, we'll call them, if mm-hmm. you introduce your teenagers to your adult birds, usually the males are good about it, and they won't um, they won't like fight to the death or anything with the mm-hmm. youngsters. Okay. And then then you kind of got everybody together, and everyone's happy.
1: Okay.
0: Cool. Um, Boy, I think we've covered all the stuff I was curious about. Uh, What do they eat, exactly? What's the best thing to feed your chickens?
2: Um, So in the winter, and when I'm, like, feeding, um, I will feed them a... My adults get a layer... It's called a layer mix or a layer mash or whatever, and it is... um, It's a... Mixture of grains and things, and it's made from um, New Rosedale Farms. And so I use that, and I really like it. Um, it's very fine; it's not like them eating a big pellet. Mm-hmm. So I feed them that, and then they're they obviously get fresh water. And then I do feed them coming into coming into springtime. I'll feed them um, extra greens. Um, it just kind of helps kick start their system a little bit. And I found with my hens, especially the ones that I'm using for breeding, and I want them to start laying, and I want them to lay healthy um, eggs, essentially. Mm-hmm. So I start them on sprouts. So I sprout anything like alfalfa or broccoli sprouts. I start sprouting them in the house, and I feed them that. And I actually give them a little bit of yogurt just for the <laughs> probiotics to kind of mm-hmm. get them, get them, like, going.
0: But not um, fat-free yogurt.
2: No, <laughs> full fat, full fat yogurt. <laughs> only what
0: we should be eating.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> um, I'll feed them a little bit of that, and then, and then, honestly, that only happens for a very short period of time, just to kind of get them, get them ready to be back outside on like dirt and bugs and bacteria and germs and things like that.
0: And do you let them free range when you let them oh. out?
2: Oh yeah. So
0: they're just all over the farm kind of thing. They're
2: all over. And I don't, like, my yard's not fenced in. Um, If I'm worried about birds, like, we do have foxes and raccoons. Mm -hmm. So when, they will make their way here eventually. And I usually lose a couple birds. um, And then then we start using fencing and things like that. Like, I've got electric poultry fences. And we put those up and put the birds inside those. Mm Mm-hmm. So that, you know, the the wild animals can be here, but they're not going to get anything.
0: Yeah. Do they range, like the raccoons and foxes, do they have ranges and they'll range away from yours and then maybe wander back to them? Or do they set up shop? Uh, (laughs) They they,
2: they set up shop. Yeah. Yeah.
0: They just stop for a while. This is great.
2: We we had a whole den of foxes that uh, decided that this would be a great place to try and get their meals from until they couldn't get them anymore. So.
0: And then they just wander off,
2: yeah, go pick a new spot,
0: and then do you open your chickens back up again you you let them out mm-hmm. again,
2: yep um, how do you my, know how do
0: you know if the foxes are around or not anymore?
2: Um, they're not very they they think they're very sly, they're not <laughs> they <laughs> they come out in the day, so we see them,
0: yeah, and you have dogs, yeah. I guess that that' yeah hurt. I have
2: a dog, and she's very um we keep like we have um really big like cathedral windows on our south side, and it overlooks our whole yard, okay. So she is a very good uh, lookout dog.
0: Okay. She likes yeah, I was going to ask you what the best lookout dog for poultry is. <laughs>
2: well, really, um, like mine is a short haired pointer. She's a hunting dog. Yeah. Um, she's not um, not a bad dog for poultry, but a, a better choice would probably be a livestock guardian dog. Mm. Um, So Great Pyrenees or something like that. And. Yeah. You know, they they are just so happy to live outside with, with the birds.
0: Mhm. Yep. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. Leave leave them out in the dog house and outside and that's their and they understand that's their
2: mm-hmm.
1: their
0: their territory and their yep. there's the protection.
1: Those are their
2: animals.
0: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's really neat.
2: I uh I've always thought about getting one but we don't have enough animals that we need that we need that and I don't I'm not too keen on bringing another dog into our family that isn't going to be treated the same way that this dog already is. Yeah. So it, it would really pull at my heartstrings to have a dog that stayed outside. Oh. So. Aww. <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah, I'm a softie. <laughs> okay. this, this girl sleeps in the bed with me, so. Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, awesome. Okay, well, you know what, April? Thanks so much for filling me in on, on a lot of this stuff. You're and, very uh, welcome. I, know, I hope a lot of people listen to this and and get interested in the 4-H side of it because yeah poultry is a lot easier to keep to start out than cows or pigs and and things like that so uh yeah who knows it might open a lot of a lot of farm gates
2: (laughs) yes that'd be awesome
0: (laughs) (laughs) awesome okay oh how do people get a hold of you then
2: um you can find us on facebook um we are on there as the westman's 4-h poultry club Um, And then, you know, if anybody has any inquiries about me, I'm April Dawn Willis. You can find me on any kind of social media. Um, uh, My husband and I, we have a social media for our farm. It's Lil Backwoods Farm.
0: Lil Backwoods?
2: Yep. Lil as in L-I-L. Oh, Lil. L-I-L Backwoods Farm. Okay. Yeah.
0: Okay. Um, Great. Well, I hope people uh, get in touch with you. That'd be awesome.
2: Yes, that'd be wonderful.
0: Okay. Well, thanks for taking the time.
2: You bet. Thanks for having
0: me on. All right. How do you say goodbye in chicken and poultry? Uh, book. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thanks for uh, hanging around. Thanks for hanging around? What's a chicken thing we could say? I don't know. Roost? You've been roosting a while? Thanks for roosting all the way through. Go lay your eggs now. <laughs> Go lay your eggs. Okay. I just want to say um thank you for listening to the manitobaville podcast of course this is my angel and we want you to tell your friends so they can hear as well uh pile of new shows coming up soon these are our best ofs that we're rolling out and um yeah we want to take the show on the road this summer 2022 uh find us on your podcast or tell your friends subscribe rate and review follow us on social medias just look up manitobaville and um yeah thank you for listening couldn't want to couldn't do this without you wouldn't want to do this without you it'd be pretty it'd be like i'm talking to myself in a little room hmm well that would be a different experience if it weren't for you the listener all right so this is uh Manitoba podcast. This is my angel, and uh, we're copyright 2022 by Rodeo Road Studios. <laughs>